0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Wild Growth podcast. This is a special podcast where we are introducing our two work placement students and having a chat with them about how they got involved in biodiversity studies and why they got involved with us at Wild Group. So I am delighted to introduce Rachel Hayden. And Kinga, and just so I won't butcher your name, will you please just say your full name for us?
1: Yes, so I'm Kinga Sharetska.
0: Thank you very much. So guys, it is fantastic to have you here with us at Wild Work. Um, It's interesting times. Um, It's amazing you've been here for a while now and I still haven't met you, but we are still forging ahead, doing as much nature work as we can in this COVID situation. I know you're doing a lot of stuff online, but you're starting to get out. I suppose it's a little bit different than what you thought you might be getting into when you initially signed up with us. But we can, we can have a chat about that and other stuff. So I want to start off, um, i say, with you, Rachel. Just could you let us know uh, what you're studying and um, how you got into that?
2: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. Um, so I'm currently doing a master's in ecological management and conservation biology in Queen's University in Belfast. But I started off doing my undergraduate in zoology in UCC.
0: And what made you go into zoology, first of all?
2: I actually wanted to do veterinary nursing and that was my original choice and it wasn't until my sister she kind of sat me down she was like is that really what you want to do she was like you love nature but do you really just like you know want to work in the office and like you know that kind of medicine side of it and I thought no I I don't and I changed it with a week left to go
0: wow
2: Yeah I know and I never regret it it's probably the best decision I've ever made um, so I really like the idea of helping native species and kind of a more local nature and want to learn more about it and help us but also kind of have a balance between what humans need as well.
0: Yeah I think it's I didn't know that it was is still such a thing, but certainly when I was a kid, if you like nature, you became a vet. That was just kind of the job. But I think that's because it's the only job as little kids that we might know of. Well, I think back in, you know, in my time it was like you like nature, they you will know, vet because you want to help animals. So uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to hear that it's still sort of a, a thing, all right. Oh well, it definitely I mean, maybe is. we're not exposed enough to range the range of jobs that um you know someone with a with a biodiversity degree can do
2: yeah exactly and I think even though in secondary school you do an ecology module and we went to FOTA um, for it even at that I don't think it really registered with me that that was something that I could do I just thought I like animals I'm gonna become a veterinary nurse I didn't do chemistry so I couldn't become a vet Um, (laughs) so it's like the next best thing And then my sister was like, you should really just kind of broaden your horizons and start looking at other things. And then I found the Biological Environmental Earth System Sciences. It's a long-winded name, Bees, in UCC. And I was like, that kind of ticks all my boxes. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, So I made the switch and I'm happy with it.
0: And Kinga, you are at UCC, aren't you? I am, yeah.
1: Uh, I'm actually doing bees just like Rachel did, but I'm doing environmental science. Um, So
0: tell us a little bit about that, that is, so it's a little bit different from the conservation, zoology type degrees that myself and um, Rachel went through.
1: Yeah, um, so the main difference between them I would say is just that we do quite a lot of the sciences as well, so physics, statistics, chemistry, um, there's a a big part of the degree is doing those modules. Um, so I wasn't going to do them. In, I wasn't going to do environmental science when I first went to college because it kind of sounded a bit tedious and hard and not something I'd be into, to be honest. Um, I was going to do ecology. But after first year, I I kind of looked at the modules that were offered and I thought, you still do quite a lot of ecology. And then when you, uh, when you come out of it, um, you can go into a lot more fields you can kind of get a lot more jobs with it is what I was told and I'm I'm quite happy I did that because down the line whatever I decide to do um, I'm always going to have that. I would say solid undergraduate which I'm quite happy with and then I can go into ecology or conservation um, for a master's or whatever I decided after college
0: that's very very practical thinking (laughs) I know when I got to that stage I just looked at all the chemistry and physics and I just went were you always good at that um, well, I did chemistry in, in school, so I wasn't
1: too worried about chemistry. But um, I, 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 um, physics and myself don't like each other. It's definitely a bit of a struggle, but I always make it true, So,
0: and that course, it does. It still have a, a fair bit of zoology, ecology. Do you still sort of learn about you know, say conservation? Those types of subjects.
1: Yeah, we do. We do those modules as well. It's just obviously. We might do only one or two each semester as opposed
0: to four or five. Yeah, brilliant. I think that's it's a good mix of, um, of courses that they allow at UCC. You can really go into the harder science stuff and then the people who want to study dolphins also have that
2: opportunity. <laughs> we all start off in first year doing just kind of a general science as well. So mm-hmm. everyone's on the same playing field. And then in second year, you can just decide what kind of area you want to go into which I think is really nice as well because it does give you a bit of an opportunity to realise what you're interested in.
1: Definitely just... nice to have that first year where you can just do everything.
2: Yeah, now physics and chemistry were not easy to do in first year for me. I really struggled with them but then I knew I was like I don't really have to do them in second year if I go into <laughs> zoology.
1: Yeah, some days I still question my decision but <laughs> so far so good. What year,
0: what year are you in now, Kinga? you. In...
1: So I just finished my third year, so I'm going into my final year in September
0: now. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you've gotten that far, I think you've, you've probably got it.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I remember
0: first year. It is, it's a tough course um, in first year. You do a lot. They throw everything at you, and I can remember mm-hmm. it's, it's full weeks. I can remember, you know, we were doing sort of nine to five almost every day. It's definitely yeah. not a... a And easy, but I think that's that's good because then again, as you said, it gives you that that opportunity. Yeah, I am good at maths or I can do the chemistry. Why not? So let's move on to um, why you got into Wildwork. Um, I'd actually like to find out how you actually heard about Wildwork, Rachel.
2: I heard about you through someone in college and I knew that you were doing like day courses and I'd been out of college for a few months and I didn't want to get like rusty I wanted to keep up my skills so I did the bee and butterfly identification day course with you and I went to that while it was two days that I did it Uh, and that's how I heard of you that's how I learned about you and then it just stuck with me and when I went back to do my master's and I have to think about where I wanted to do a work placement Obviously, you know, what I want to do career-wise in the future, came into it. And I thought, uh, Wild Work, I had such a good day out learning, seeing what's around. Through that, I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And I actually just sent an email to Wild Work. That's how I applied, out of the blue. And then I kept following it up.
0: And tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the work placement. You're actually incorporating the work placement um, into uh, it's a project you have to do in in your final year is it?
2: Yeah exactly so for the masters you do a project or you do work placement so I want to do work placement to get some practical skills and just learn about really the working environment and then in that you just have to do a smaller project so when I originally reached out to Wild Work and I was talking to Will and we had a a wet what's called a wet project is when you go out and do field work had one of those set up and then everything with COVID happened and, you know, life got turned upside down a bit, but it, it was amazing. We just very quickly decided on a dry project, which is just one that you would do remotely. So I'm based on a computer. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm looking into climate change and how we can manage our landscape to be more biodiversity friendly, but also hopefully have a positive impact on climate change. So I'm just reading a lot about that now, kind of writing it up, seeing you know what we can do to help. Aside from that, then we're doing a lot of social media. So with the podcast, then we're doing a wild work placement series on Facebook and Twitter. And now that you know restrictions are lifting and there's a bit more leeway, I've been able to go out and do field work.
0: Which is the best part of it all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to get away from the computer for a bit, all right. I like I feel like just I'm taking in so much from going out learning about plants, learning about how to manage different wildlife, different habitats. It's really interesting. So I would say my work placement actually, although it got a little bit, you know, changed because of COVID, I think it's worked out for my benefit. Because I'm getting a lot of project management, time management, organising like, you know, podcasts, social media, but then I'm also getting field work now.
0: That's great. And you're you're obviously taking advantage of that as well. Definitely. And Kinga, um, it was a bit different with you. I know Wild Work um, actually offers placements to UCC students.
1: Do do? Yeah, I just got an email from my module coordinator and I saw it and I immediately thought this is too perfect, so well, I applied and here we are.
0: So tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
1: So I'm mostly involved with the Biodiversity Action Plans with FIMBAR. So I haven't actually gotten a chance to go out in the fields just because of COVID and everything that's going on with the university and that, but we're trying to start through that. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to go out as well and um, experience Mm -hmm. everything that Rachel has mentioned. So I've been just doing some research at home as well, but it's not too bad. I feel like I've used my time well to just do all the reading about biodiversity action plans and kind of biodiversity in like residential areas and just all sorts of things. And I'm doing my remote project as well on that. So yeah, it's it's going well. And, you know, with everything that's going on, I feel like Wild work Still has given me a very good opportunity to, you know, to learn and to get all these new
0: skills. Yeah, and I think that's, that's quite different then from what your course in environmental science, you know, would be focusing on. I think biodiversity action plans would not be something that you'd be doing a lot of. I've never really heard of one before
1: I got here. And yeah, it's it's been kind of different because I think I'm quite familiar with a lot of things that go on with, in Wild Work, but when I first started my when it was a it was a bit of a shock to the system, so to speak, when I heard you all talk about kind of different things that I I'm familiar with in college, kind of like wildflowers and biodiversity and that kind of thing. We do discuss them more in a broader sense as opposed to going out and, you know, naming wildflowers. Yeah, just biodiversity actually that's I we've never done anything on them so I think it's a really good experience because it's not something that I would have covered in college but I think once I'm out of college it actually would be something very good that I could put on my CV and just know in the workplace.
0: Absolutely and I think it's um, again what you're doing is something like Rachel you're you're communicating science to ordinary people and that's something you won't get a lot of chances to do in college you know again you've got to write that, that nice science way and it's got to be all correct and everything and communicating science is a different skill. So it's good to start even just thinking about how you do that now. Let's talk a little bit more about science communication and um, using something like social media do students now, are you on social media? Are you following other scientists? Is that a big part of your course?
2: You're actually told, well, at least I was told in my undergraduate and in my master's that you should have Twitter. It is highly recommended to have a Twitter because it's where everything goes on. Jobs, it's where you're getting the most recent like research that's available. As well, it's networking. You're able to talk to people. So I do use Twitter just for that. There's so many different areas and people that you can follow. I follow a lot of community-based ones and then people that are doing PhDs and research. And then there's like flower hour on a Sunday. And that's really nice, really positive. So far, I've had a very positive experience with Twitter and using that. That definitely, I think, is, is a really big one. Instagram as well, I find can be quite useful but that's more so for kind of zero waste and plastic and recycling. I find that there's a lot of information on that.
0: Well, it's, it's great that, you know, we, we at Wild Work, we do spend a little bit of time on social media. It takes up a lot of time to do it right and to to keep it engaging. So it's good to know that, you know, it's something that's recommended for students and that it's a good way to try and get information out. Yourself, Kinga, do you use social media much in a more you know, professional sense in terms of course.
1: Um, I have to admit, I, I don't. Maybe it's just something that um, my class doesn't do. Like, Rachel, you said that you've been encouraged even when you were in UCC when you were doing your undergraduate. I'm aware of, um, like, all my lectures talk about the stuff that they post. and um, they, they talk about that quite a lot. But we, we're never really told to use Twitter. Um, we're told quite a lot about LinkedIn, but that's yeah. about it. But that's, again, um, I feel like now that I've joined Wild Work for my work placement, I can really see the importance of it now. And I, I definitely think that maybe after I'm done, maybe in a couple months, but I'll definitely start a more professional Twitter, my own account. Because I've been kind of doing some scrolling while doing um, Wild Work social media and just reading the kind of posts that are available. and. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, a very good platform, one that I haven't really been exposed to before.
0: Yeah, it is is well worth looking into. Um, uh, There are a lot of jobs posted, um, particularly things like um, postdocs and um, doctorals and even masters and stuff like that. You know, uh, academics will be on there and say, hey, I'm looking for a research student. So, you know, following hashtags like uh, PhD jobs or stuff like that, it's... It is really good. The academics and uh, the scientists love Twitter. They're always on it. And it's great for reaching out to people as well because it's more informal. You know, you don't mind saying, hey, I love your work on Twitter rather than like, you know, trying to compose a, a formal email to a scientist. So yeah, it's a it's a great way. And I think um, definitely something you should, you know, look to using for a, in in a more professional sense in terms of looking for jobs, looking for people to work with if you're looking for you know, post-college work. The other thing I wanted to talk about, you mentioned um, heading out and doing some field work and that. that is something I think going into a degree that I really found you don't get a lot of um, experience in. Is that the, do you have the same experience?
2: Yeah I'd agree a lot with that uh, particularly now that I've done an undergraduate and I'm doing the master's as well a lot of time when you go out and do field work what you're really doing is going out with a notebook and just writing down what someone else is telling you that's the way I find it a lot of time it's just okay so we're in this wet marshland and this is here and this is here and and you don't look at anything you just write it down you're miserable because it's probably cold and wet as well and you just want to go back. you you want to go home you're like yeah okay let's just write this down um even for my master's we did the same we went out to different different sites to see what people are doing for conservation biodiversity but again you're just writing it down writing it down and then researching it writing that up i feel like you're not really engaging and learning anything from that type of field work but then going out with wild work i'm actually picking up plants yeah. I like learning them now i am writing down what they are so i can look them up later mm-hmm. but it's far more engaging but i go out into the field and i just feel like i don't actually know anything practical i know yeah. so much background knowledge on plants and animals i know how they evolved i know how they interact but then i go out and i'm like what is this flower and it's yeah. a kind of disengagement between the two of them so that's why i think work placement really is beneficial because then you're meshing the two
0: yeah absolutely as i said i don't think it's a fault with the course i don't think they could fit something like that in with with everything they have to do particularly you know a course like yours kingo where you're you know you're learning so much with the hard sciences as well so for students particularly have an interest in that sort of thing i think they do have to take the initiative and go out and do the we or try and find as you said a work placement that allows them to do that
2: yeah and I so, don't think um, students realize it until it's too late as well certainly was for me lucky. it wasn't until I was done my undergraduate and I was like I really should have probably used my time more to get that kind of that um, extra experience
0: yeah yeah but I mean at the time I, I can remember you're learning so much new stuff and so much it's all so cool and it's all so much your head is just like blowing up every day the last thing you think is right now I have to go out and uh, learn five wildflowers. But I, I can see already in your social media posts the, the stuff you're learning and the stuff you're teaching me. I never knew uh, about the Kinga, your last post on the... the what was it again? The Forget-Me-Notes?
1: Forget-Me-Notes, yeah. Um, just for anybody who hasn't seen the post, it's um, basically the post just says that uh, Forget-Me-Notes have a very like sweet, pleasant scent but you can only smell it at nighttime because during the day they're basically completely odorless. And I just came across it so when... I took some nice photos of forget-me-nots that I just really liked and I thought they'd be great for social media. So just started looking them up, just all types of things. And I just came across that fact and I was like, that's actually really interesting. I don't think that's something that most people know. I've never heard anybody mention that.
2: Yeah, I didn't know it either.
1: Um, it also really makes me want to go out at nighttime now and find some forget-me-nots and see what they smell like.
0: No, that that's great. And I think, you know, that's it. That's that science communication, that's getting people interested in in wildflowers without you know having to to explain something really sciencey about them. That's something that'll stick in their heads. I know you know that is something that'll stick stick in my head now. And um, I'm also you know I have to go out and find a patch of um, forget me nots so I can smell them at night now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's great. I've been doing quite a lot of ID plants and birds and pollinators. And when I first started, I kind of thought like. Oh my god, like the amount of species out there, like how am I ever going to like get to know all of them out? But I'm I've only been doing it for two weeks now, I think, and I'm really starting to see the difference. I'm just walking around or like driving in the car in the evening. And the amount of things I spot now, I'm like, oh, that's that's like a large bindweed. Um but yeah, it's it's really making a difference. And I'm when I first heard it I was just really overwhelmed. But I'm really grateful that I got to do it and I think Even when I'm doing my work placement, I'm just going to continue using my apps and taking photos.
2: Yeah, it's like what Will said about plant blindness, because I brought that up as well. I was like, I'm starting to notice self-heal the flower. I'm noticing that everywhere now, which I never would have. And he's like, oh, that's actually a thing. It's called plant blindness. So I looked into it and it's just there's a few different reasons why. But like a lot of it is just that you don't notice you're a bit ignorant to it. Or when you look at nature, what you see is green and that's all you see. So now I'm the same. I just, I yeah. keep spotting things when I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, I know what that plant is. I know what that plant is. And I'm like, oh, I'll have to look that up later now, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, I'm hard to go on walks now because every two seconds I'm like, oh, look at that. I have to stop and take a picture.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, are you turning into those people who say, you know, you can't let another person walk past a plant now? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: Look at this, you just walk past this. It's actually, it's so satisfying though, to know what is around you as well, because a lot of people, they just expect that I know everything when it comes to nature, because I did zoology and because of my master's, they, they just assume, and I have to be like, no, I actually really don't know that much. And I don't know what I do know kind of thing. So now whenever we walk past something, I'm like, that's kidney (laughs) vetch. I'm like, (laughs) that's, you know, that's wild carrot. Uh, it's really nice to be able to like have something to show.
0: Yeah,
1: I think you also kind of start appreciating how intricate nature is because when you're just kind of like you said, blind to it, you just you look at a fly and you're like, oh, just just a random fly. Like I'm not interested in that. But when you actually start to like research what their life cycles and some their you know how they look and how they function, there's so much to it that you know how this species has evolved fit perfectly into their environment that you never would have known if you just hadn't taken the time to do it
0: exactly i don't think there is a boring species on earth so um tell me one of the fascinating things you've learned out on the field work so far rachel i know you're out the last couple of days
2: there's been a few like really interesting parts that i wouldn't notice myself like walking along amenity grassland and there's a little bit of bare grass and immediately will is like Let's look to see if there's any solitary bees. I, I wouldn't have picked up on that to look for that. And then we were walking along an old wall and it was the same. It was like, look at these cavities. There's probably something living in there, which I know, but I never would think to actually look myself. It's getting far more hands on. And even the other day, we were looking at flowers and Will was going on that, you know, in the pea family and you can eat any of the, the peas that are in it. I never would have eaten a wild flower before and i picked it up and popped them into my mouth so i was eating them and he's like how are they and i was like they're grand actually i was like they're not bad maybe <laughs> a little bit old but i never <laughs> would have done it myself so there's a lot of different interesting things that i've been experiencing since going out and doing field work
0: yeah we don't have that that culture anymore it might be a little bit different with you kinga are you a little bit better at foraging than irish people
1: Yes when I was a little girl we used to go out and purge mushrooms. Now I wouldn't do it myself because I wouldn't trust myself to do it but yeah it's, it's definitely it's it's kind of like a family activity I would say because I, I come from Poland and yeah but I think even maybe not mushrooms well like I said we do, do that a lot but um, myself we would always kind of even if you don't have a garden you would always grow things Um, just kind of like basil and organo and I find that in, in Ireland people kind of buy those pots and like in Tesco or something and then they keep them for like you know a couple of weeks and then it dies and then they just throw it away um whereas I think in, in Poland it's it's definitely more of like a you have the plant and you just have it for years um and that, that was just an example of when
2: I have to say I'm one of those people and I have done <laughs> that multiple times I have bought some basil in the pot in Tesco I left it on the kitchen counter and I realised a week later it's wilted and dead, and I never used it in the meantime.
0: Well, um, please ask Inga on tips on how to make your basil last longer, because it's unreal when you do it, and you actually have this. We've managed maybe six months with the basil, but no longer than that, it started to die. I'm going to try again with it, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point, and. I, we definitely have a more disconnect than, I mean, certainly some of the Polish people I know, even in CECAD, who go off and they, they forage mushrooms. And they were delighted because they were like, none of the Irish people even bother to look. Mm. We have these forests in Poland. We'd have to be, you know, practically guarding our little mushroom patches. And here, mushrooms, just for the taking. Do you do it here at all, Kinga, Or is it something that you no, don't do anymore? I, I've never really
1: done it in Ireland. Um, I think we it, it just fell out of touch with the mushroom community, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, but I think <laughs> I think um, it's. I have a lot of friends who do a lot of like the the plant fairies and kind of like have apple trees. I mean, apple, like bigger orchards, and it's just really great because you get to go out to their farms and you know just really see how those um, those roots grow and how to take care of them and you know it's like very fresh fruit and it's just a pleasure to eat and yeah i think it's i think um being able to do that when i was little has really given me this sense of like better sense of nature and what food is
2: in a way funny enough i actually used to go pick mushrooms when i was younger oh really yeah like we used to go to the field next door and there used to be the little white button mushrooms and i used to pick them but I didn't eat mushrooms, and I don't think anyone else in my family ate mushrooms, so I don't know what we ever did with them. You just like picking them. We just used to go pick mushrooms. I presume someone in the family must have been eating them. But yeah, we used to go pick mushrooms. It clearly never really resonated with me. I just thought it was fun, you know, going down by the stream and picking them. But it's something that just came back to me there, and I was like, we we used to do that. Don't know why. Yeah, when I visited in Ireland
0: as well as a kid, we, we would go just to the field next door and collect i think now the over fertilization has destroyed those those mushrooms you never really see them anymore the big nice field mushrooms but there that was it was so much fun it was great growing up picking mushrooms yes. i of course yeah don't do it now at all terrified of picking the wrong thing yes. can you tell us a little bit about well first of all what you hoped to learn coming in and how that's changed now that you've been with us for a little bit of time, Hinga? Um So I think
1: when I was coming in, uh, first of all, wild work is—I think—you do so much, and there's so many. I—I um, I got the impression that when I was coming in, then there was just so much opportunity to like learn new skills. So I think after coming in and learning so much about the biodiversity action plans, I'm really happy then. I was given the chance to look into that um, for sure. Um, and of course I was expecting a lot more um, kind of contact with the people who actually work there and like seeing um, what you do during the day and like the field work component. So it, I think it's quite a, quite a shame that this is the year I, I got to do it, but of course I'm still grateful that I got to do it. And I've still learned so much and you, you guys have just such a wealth of knowledge so, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks that I'll get to go on field, field work. Um, I think that's my biggest hope. And just continue learning through, um, you know, the I improve my ID skills and like social media. I think that's really kind of taking me out of my comfort zone as well because, like I said, I've never had Twitter. Um, I do have a Facebook account, but I don't really use it for anything. So it, it's really giving me a chance to be creative, which is nice, because um, you don't really get a chance to be creative very much when you're doing a science degree in college. Yeah, and, and I'm working away on my project, so I'm excited to see where that goes, because it's still very new, and I'm not really sure where it's going to go
0: exactly. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. That, that's really nice. What about yourself, Rachel?
2: I definitely really wanted to work on my communication skills and kind of move away from writing science to just being able to talk about nature in a more relaxed way. I think I've definitely started to develop that now, even with my project. And what I'm really excited for is just to keep developing those skills because I can already see little changes in the way that I would have talked in the past about nature and how I'm starting to address it now. And that's what I'm really excited for is just to keep learning and keep getting more involved and feel more connected with nature
0: yeah that's great thank you so um I think we might have you know students listening to this and one of the things I want to ask you I mean I know when I finished my degree it was one of one of the big things is is what next so where do you see yourselves going after you graduate? I know that's a big question, but I'm just interested to see you've had now a little bit more exposure to say outside the academic world a little bit. Um, So what are your thoughts about the future? Great job.
2: I feel like I've had a lot of what next moments, particularly my undergrad, I didn't want to do master's. I just wanted to go out and get a job. And then time passes, you reflect more, you realize, you know what, maybe... It is good for me to do a master's, kind of up skill. But what I really want to do and what I want to get into now once I'm done college is hopefully more community development and outreach, and especially now that I've kind of started doing a lot more science communication. I think that is really interesting. And in my mind, they're all the one. They're all the same, although, you know, you might label them differently. Really, you're just talking with people, going out engaging with people, getting them interested. So that's, that is what I want to do. So, I don't think I'm going to pursue a PhD. I'm done with the academic side. I really want to just get in and get involved.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, well, not for a lot of people, but for some people, definitely um, speaking for myself, a PhD is just a uh, well, I'm not ready to go out into the real world. So, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. What about yourself, King? Um, you're still fairly early in your career now are you thinking further study or are you sort of thinking no nope, out into the real world
1: um i think for the moment i would like to take a break from um college and um you know education uh, of course like you said i feel like i just i never i don't really know where where i'm gonna go next um i think i've um Going back to what we said before about kind of using your undergraduate years to kind of venture out and do lots of different things. I feel like I I did do quite a bit. I got involved with kind of um, environmental protection agencies in Poland and kind of conservation abroad and um, kind of like eco campsites, that kind of thing. I was just very interested in that. So I feel like I got very varied experience, of course, very limited experience, I have to admit. so I'm I'm really not sure exactly what I want to do because after, I feel like after every experience, I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. (laughs) So I think for now, I'm probably just, I would would love to do a bit of traveling after college and hopefully still work um, with my degree and kind of see where I feel like I fit in, where um, I feel very passionate I am um, very passionate about and just kind of see where that takes me I do I'm very interested in kind of conservation and education and outreach like you said as well Rachel but at the same time I, I think while doing environmental science I do I do quite like the um, kind of sitting down just like um, more like a consultation or writing reports I, I quite enjoy that as well so it's really hard for me to tell at the moment
0: yeah, no, it, it was it wasn't the nicest question. I was just interested <laughs> in finding
1: out. And I think I think it's just very hard to imagine yourself out in the real world doing actual work when you're in college because it's such a it's it's so different from the real world. I think you're yeah. so sheltered mm. in college.
2: Well, I love your answer, Kinga, because that's exactly <laughs> what I was like as well when I was going into my final year. You just don't know what you want to do. And taking I took two years out before I went into the masters, and it was the best thing that I could have done. Because as you said, after you do something, you're like, that's what I want to do. You're like, yeah, exactly. That's my (laughs) career choice. But then when you take the time and you think back, you're like, Oh, actually, you might notice a pattern of what you've been doing. That's what happened with me. I didn't really realize that I wanted to go into education and outreach until I looked back and I was like, I was a peer sport leader, so I like guided first years around and was a mentor for them for the first year of their college. And then I realised that I had done work placement, which was outreach. A lot of it was outreach, and I, the part that I loved the most was talking to people. And then went into work, and I was always getting in trouble because I talked too much. And I was like, why don't I use this to my advantage? And looking back at all these different things, I was like, I didn't realize that I was actually just leading myself into into community work and outreach and education. It's not something I thought of when I was in in my undergrad, that that's what I was going to want to do. And then I got into my master's and I was still kind of humming and hawing. And then I was like, no, this this is what, what I want to do. But again, it could still, it could change. Like, you never know where you could end up, but it's definitely the area that I'm working towards now so I, I just love your story because I can I feel it myself I'm like I understand exactly what you're going through and how you feel and like honestly it's two three years time it can be so different for you as well two yeah. three years time it could be so different for me it's just always changing and that's what I really like about it as well that like you can go into anything
1: yeah. I think it's also very easy to you know when when you're like a child and you watch a movie or something and you're like, oh I'm gonna be a lawyer. I would love to do that. But what you imagine is just like the courtroom scene where like things are really exciting. But it's very different day to day and kind of sticking with it. And I think the same goes for, you know, any any career. Um, you know, looking at the kind of like when I was looking at the kind of work you current um what you do, I know that's very different. Like my idea of it is very different from what you actually do every day. And kind of like the exciting bits and kind of like the more tedious, boring bits. Um, and you have to have the passion for your job to kind of stick through those, um, to carry on every day. So I think it's, it, I think it's quite, um, I think it's kind of exciting to go out now and like, I hope to, you know, kind of experience quite a few bits and kind of see where I fit in.
0: Well, no, I'm glad I asked that question because those were both really great points. I love that. Looking back and, and seeing the pattern of, of the things you're doing that. That is a fantastic point. And I don't think we do enough reflection. So yeah, I really like that, Rachel. And absolutely, Kinga, about what we think jobs are and what they actually are is is a really important one as well, which is probably why doing something like work experience is so important if you can while you're studying, because that can, you know, save you maybe a lot of grief and again going back you know what we said at the start was I don't think we realize how many jobs there are I know when I was in college it was like oh you can do this and you can become a a zookeeper or you can become a lecturer you know where where do I go what else is there Um maybe colleges need to be a little bit better at showing look at all of this stuff that you can get you know Don't forget all the stuff you learn other than just um, the evolutionary ecology of plant species. There's a lot of stuff you learn. So those are really, really good points. So I'm glad I asked that horrible question now.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I always dreaded um, when I'm doing my degree and bees being asked, what can you do after that? I think that's such a horrible question because saying, you know, all kinds of things just and explaining to people is just tedious and difficult
2: yeah I found that as well that a lot of people as Karen said will just be like oh you're becoming a zookeeper and I'm like actually I don't think I really could become a zookeeper you have to do animal husbandry (laughs) to be a zookeeper and I'm like but I can tell you all about how like you know animals and plants interact and how like the soil affects the plants and that affects the animals and then the you know the climate affects it and then people just kind of sometimes you can just see people like switching off and they're like oh she doesn't work with animals
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's a big thing I think a lot of kids will come straight out of schools doing zoology because they want to work with animals and um zoology doesn't really train you to to work with animals
2: no and even I kind of like When I went into it, was thinking that throughout this, I realised, oh, that's not really what what it's about at all. It's you're removed from it in a way, and I actually really like that. I think a lot of people don't understand it. Like, yeah, you
0: do find out that 90% of your work is going to be behind a computer, but then you actually learn to love that. I mean, I never thought I'd love statistics, but you know, when I was doing the research, I was like. I have all this data, I'm like, I oh, don't know what this means. And then you suddenly run it through a stats machine and it's like, oh, wow, it means this. Oh, this is so fantastic. I'm so excited.
2: Good. Actually, so, you could, do you have to do a fourth year project? Yeah,
1: we do. I, um, I actually recently got my title, so I know which one I have now.
2: Can, I, uh, can we it? ask what it is?
1: Yeah, oh, you sure? can, of course. It's uh, the use of high-frequency chlorophyll data to measure marine productivity.
2: I'll pretend so, that I know what that
1: means. <laughs> see, I say this to everyone and people are like, wow, that sounds really difficult. And I'm not going to lie. I, 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 when I got into it, I was like, that's going to be super easy. And then I started actually reading papers. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'm a bit in over my head on this. But basically what you're doing is you're just taking chlor- chlorophyll A, I think, is um, for my project specifically readings. And you just compare them to like different readings like oxygen and, you know, um, conductivity to really that kind of thing and you you basically see where the highest productivity is and how it correlates to other factors
2: okay okay very different from what I did I what went did around collecting deer pellets <laughs> <laughs> and left them out in the woods and watched them for a few weeks but again a lot of people when I, they asked me what I was doing and I was like oh I'm watching like you know the physical decay of pellets to see if you can monitor where deer are going and that way you know you can have better consensus of how much deer we have and then people ask me more and I'm like I'm basically collecting deer pellets (laughs)
0: that's what I'm doing. (laughs) You're you're watching deer pellets rot basically. Yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. and I collect them weekly as well and I remember because I I can't drive um, which is a really big disadvantage as well in uh, the field of ecology I'm working on it but I remember I was getting the train back into town because I had to go to the UCC labs. And to be fair, now I I was doing in the woods, so like I had twigs in my hair, I was covered in mud. I probably looked like a wild woman. And I was just like, I'm sitting here on the on the train with like a thousand deer pellets in my bag, and no one knows. <laughs> they probably expect they probably suspected something. Like I doubt I smelled too good, but like I was just such a random woman for me. And I was like, no one knows what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: I do have you on that. Because, um, I also didn't drive during my research degree, and I was collecting wild mice, and so I got the bus back with a big box of live mice, and I was like, if "We crash, or if this falls off."
2: Oh, I love it so much. i so I'm so happy to know I am not the only one. Now everyone's, anyone no, who listens to this is yeah. going to be getting on public transport, looking around for people thinking, what What do they have on them at the
0: moment? Who's yeah. the weird ecologist with twigs in their hair and God knows what in their bag?
2: That's something you get to miss out on, Kinga, maybe for the best.
0: you at least, Kinga, get, get to go out and collect your samples or are you just being given the data?
1: No, uh, well, I just chose a desk study for my project because you can do a you can do lab work as well if you want but just with you know this year like it would just be I think I imagine be a nightmare this year because you can only go with like so many people and then like there's only so much space in the labs and I just feel like that was very stressful time-wise so I I opted for a desk study
2: but I don't really mind that much yeah I didn't even think about the fact that COVID will be affecting the incoming year and what you're doing as well so i know it, like everyone's on about first years and how it's being pushed back but yeah i completely forgot that it'd be affecting your four-year projects as well
1: no i'm sure you know i'm sure it's still gonna happen for anybody who wants to do it it was just that i i prefer to do a desk study this year because i think like waiting for a day where i can do it i would find that quite stressful and i'm and i'm happy doing it as a desk study. so no of transportation
0: for me <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good thinking yeah so it'll be it'll be interesting i um, working with data is probably a lot of what zoologists and ecologists actually end up doing and I yeah never thought I'd find it interesting but absolutely love it now so enjoy it what did you find out about your your deer poo can you actually tell from how rotted a deer poo is how long a deer has been in the area
2: no you can't actually (laughs) after all that so i loved i actually loved my projects so much uh again it was something that i didn't think i was going to like because i didn't get my original one i wanted to do my own project but you can choose from a list or you can like be like oh i'm interested Mm -hmm. in this and that just didn't happen and i actually loved it but basically dear pellets will follow the pattern of weather. So if it's dry, they'll dry out. If it gets wet, they will just get very moist looking again. Now they don't have like that glossiness that fresh pellets would have. So no, you you can't really use the the age of pellets unless it's like a very severe climate that you're in. Cause Ireland we're temperate, you know, it's actually quite a even nice weather. But if you're like some are really hot, some are really cold, you could probably do it then. But no, at the end, I don't think anyone ever wants to come out of their project and say, actually, you know, nothing really happened. And that's kind of a way it felt at the time. I was like, I learned nothing. And then I was like, writing up, I was, no, I actually learned a lot. You, having no result is also a result.
1: See, but it's very interesting because that's just specific project. Like, I don't think you'd ever come up with that if you had your own topic to choose. No. Um, it's, I, I it's very never... interesting, you know.
0: With... Yeah, they're, they're fun times, those projects. They really are. Yeah. You learn so much. And okay, there's your your marks riding out at the end, but, yeah, it doesn't matter if you don't find an answer because that's really not the point of them. The point is to, to teach you all these different skills and teach you how to write up and do stats and all sorts of and all those sorts of things but yeah you can go out and really enjoy them and have fun with them
2: yeah and they, they can be stressful like they can be very stressful but I think again afterwards once the stress dies down and you can think back on it and you're like oh yeah it was actually quite quite funny like I used to hide pellets under the kitchen table when I lived with my friend and then I forgot that in a bag in a bag in a bag under my kitchen table there was pellets and I never told my friend about it because I was like, she will, she'll kill me if she knows that I was... She did environmental science. <laughs> so it's not like she was completely removed from it, but I was like, mm, you know what? That actually mightn't be okay with some people.
0: No, I don't think you're a field ecologist and left you, unless you've left something rotting somewhere that you've forgotten about, part of the trade. I also um, just wanted to ask you, you're both going to be doing a podcast yourselves, So let's do a little bit of promotion on that. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what your podcast is going to be about, Rachel?
2: Yeah, so my podcast is going to be centred around kind of my project, but really a lot of it we're going to be just delving more into how we talk about nature and science communication. A little bit of a backdrop to climate change because that's what I'm talking about in biodiversity. Great, looking forward to that one.
0: Kinga, what will your podcast
2: be about?
1: Yeah, so my episode will be about biodiversity in communities, and we'll be talking about um, the link between nature and education, and kind of physical and mental health, and how bringing nature back into people's lives will, you know, benefit society, and then by people respecting nature more, how they will be more encouraged to give back to nature, and how it all ties in together
0: that's great i think that's that's a really nice one to to have at the moment now i think we have a lot to talk about in the context of yeah climate change COVID. yeah great to bring nature in as as a mental health aid so that was a fantastic conversation and i want to say thank you so much to rachel and kinga for joining me it has been fantastic having you on thanks
1: karen i'm I'm looking forward to speaking more on the subject with you later
2: yeah thank you so much for setting up this podcast series
0: it's been fantastic talking to you and i am looking forward to see the rest of the podcast that will be produced by yourself and kinga